0: Welcome to the new podcast, The Hawk Report, by Jay Strickland and Tyler Hutz. I'm Tyler Hutz here. I'm currently an assistant principal and activities director at Mid Prairie High School. This podcast intended to go over some books that Jay and I read and kind of focus right now on leadership and some of the things that we take away from it and maybe apply to our real life.
1: And I'm Jay Strickland. I'm the principal here at Mid Prairie High School. Um, consider to be Consider myself to be very passionate about leadership and excited to... <laughs> Uh, discuss this, and hopefully this will be helpful for anyone who's aspiring to be in, in leadership or even currently in leadership. Yeah.
0: All right, the first book that Jay and I first started with would be Wooden on Leadership, written by John Wood, Wooden and Steve Jamison. So kind of the way we set this up a little bit is Jay and I both read it individually, and we kind of came up different points. And I think the format we want is just – things that stood out to us and maybe have a conversation and maybe how we apply it to real life going through the book it might are chronological so the first thing that stood out to me when he's talked about secrets of success are teaching good habits stood out to me and I, I think as a coach and um, teacher and an administrator the biggest thing you can do is for individual people is teach those habits that you want to be replicated every day and just focus on those because habits deliver the results
1: and I think kind of related to that, my, my, actually my first point, and again, we're just kind of focusing on chapter one today in our, in our podcast today. But I think the thing, one of the things that jumped out to me pretty early in chapter one was, and it goes along with developing those habits is your own example counts the most. And so trying to demonstrate, you know, I think it's one thing to, to share those habits with people and, and explain those habits to people, but actually showing them and demonstrating, um, how they work and and why they're successful and i think it's that whole thing of you know actions speaking louder than your words
0: yeah and like he said uh the way we're doing this so this is just chapter one the pyramids of success first chapter really dense a lot of information a lot of things you could take away from it so we may, might be leaving some things out um but there's there's a lot of good little tidbits you got from there what's, the, what's the, something that you kind of noticed initially
1: well, I think
0: that I, I've
1: been. I'm very familiar with Wooden as a as a coach, and you know the success that he had on the court, but also his um, focus on not just developing strong basketball players in a, in a solid program at UCLA, but also developing quality young men that are going to go out in the world and be successful. And so, you know, prior to reading even chapter one, I've I've always been familiar. Um, kind of from a bird's eye view of the pyramid of success. But when I read chapter one and started to pick up on each one of those, I mean I was I was there's a lot of things in there that are are very practical and I can see where they would be helpful on the basketball court, but I also think they translate very um clearly to everyday life.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um one thing that really stood out to me after the series of success, like you said, just I don't want to say, kind of like common sense, things you can apply to everyday life. Uh, one of the quotes in there was, be the best you can be. You have you have control over that. No one else does. And it, it kind of goes a little further about don't focus on everyone else or comparing yourself to everyone. Just every day, what can I do to get better? And I think a lot of times we allow ourselves to take outside perspectives on us or we like to compare ourselves to other people instead of focusing on what do I do day to day just to be the best Teacher, I can be the best administrator, I can be the best father, I can be what it, whatever it is, and it sounds it sounds simple, but it's actually more it's easier to kind of get caught up and being compared to other people. So that's one thing that really stood out to me is just focus on what I can do every single day, what's one little step I can take to be better today.
1: Yeah, I think human nature lends itself to that comparison trap a little bit, and and by nature, um, even though we may not be someone who really really cares about what other people think deep down inside i mean i think we do i I mean i think that's kind of a natural human instinct is when we see someone else doing something we have a tendency to um compare what we're doing to them or to sometimes want to be more like them and and yeah i i think the pyramid of success is kind of a roadmap for um, self-improvement, for sure.
0: And I think one of the one of the areas that I actually do a poor job of this sometimes, and I really work not to do it as I've moved from one district to the other district is I sometimes will reference my former district. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think that's I think that's natural. I mean, I you know, you've obviously been in more districts than I have, but even been being in two districts and being in a district for a long time and having some pretty solid roots in there. I mean i I do the same thing. I fall into that habit of, comparing Mid Prairie with Crawford'sville Middle School, which is where I spent my previous 15 years. And I I think there's some, that's, I think that's natural to do uh, when you're, you know, when you either have roots or in your case, you've been in multiple different buildings with multiple different experiences.
0: I get cautious about it though sometimes because I'm always, I don't say afraid, but I'm always aware and think, do people hear me say that and think, oh, he doesn't value where he's at now? Mm -hmm. And... I do extremely value, so I try to be more mindful about, okay, focusing on what I need to be best to be at Mid Prairie, Mm -hmm. and not so much focused on what worked for me in the past because, I mean, as we've had conversations outside of today, what worked in one place may not work in another place. You have to be adaptive. So um, that really kind of helps me refocus myself. Like, okay, that may have worked in other places, Mm -hmm. but I got to do what's best for me here right now.
1: Well, and you're redefining your role. I mean, and especially in your case... Um, last year at Junction, your role is much different than what you're doing here. Yeah. My role, even though I was a building leader in Crawford's Law, I, I was in a middle school, different age group, different community, different demographics. And so my role as principal, even though I'm you know essentially moving from principal to principal, is it's much different. And, and the things that I do here are much different than what I did in my previous role. And I think the challenge for me has been, trying to hold on to those things that, that I do value and I do think make me an effective leader and being able to translate that into a new position is, is difficult um, I you know I think right away one of his first key components or key cornerstones of his pyramid success I, I did find the his rationale for developing the pyramid of success pretty interesting kind of the background and um, equating that to the Egyptian pyramids and um, but I think one of his first ones was industriousness. and and basically, he's using that as a synonym for just work ethic and hard work. And I found the I found it very interesting that, you know many people he stated in the book, many people complain about a hard day in the office when, in fact, you know, they didn't lift a finger. Um, you know, they didn't even think a thought, for example. And so I think, that's a that's a I've always been instilled I think with a fairly strong work ethic but it did cause me to reflect a little bit on those days that I think are really really tough down in the office am I really am I really doing what's considered to be hard work and and you and I've had a conversation Mm -hmm. a little bit about other professions and their perception of what goes on in education and is it does it fit this industriousness that he's alluding to a little bit
0: yeah, there's definitely, I mean, I have many friends and uh, people I know. They they joke sometimes about the, oh, the traditional, we get two, three months off a year, and, it, and they don't know what they don't know, and so it's, not, it's hard not to maybe take that personally sometimes. And, um, yeah, is, I mean, obviously, there, it is a lot of hard work, whether you're a teacher, a custodian, associate, principal, whatever. There's a lot of hard work. But the one thing you, I re- remember from that aside is, uh, not just doing hard work, but enjoying the hard work.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, that was one of the things that kind of stood out. Like if you're enjoying doing it, um, that's that's the model that you're looking for from Pyramid says. Every day coming to work, putting your putting your time in, but also really enjoying doing it.
1: And he talked about how, you know, if when you're working without joy, it's actually drudgery. And really, you know, he emphasized in the book, drudgery doesn't lead to championships. It doesn't huh. lead to... Success in the workplace, and, and in our in our case, drudgery here in the school is not a, is not going to allow us to meet the needs of our students and 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 provide a great experience for them. And so, I, I think again, this is an area that I'm I'm always humbled by because I think it's an area that I need to grow quite a bit in. Sometimes my enthusiasm for my position um, is not there, and, and I allow a lot of the nitpicky day-to-day things really drag me down in the office and then i'm not exuding that and, and he also talked about you know false enthusiasm and so I, I consider myself to be very authentic and you know sometimes i i don't i can very I can, it's easy for me to pick up when someone is not being upfront and not being authentic and so it's it's not a false enthusiasm it's an actual real enthusiasm that that you generally enjoy your your job and and you're dedicated to it and yeah I mean you just have a you exude that to your team they're they're going to pick up on that and mm. that's humbling to me I
0: mean to yeah be honest and then, with you. I mean this one kind of emphasizes for us as administrators and the leaders of our building and then the other administrators in this district how do we work to make for the teachers and the students and the associates and everyone else in this building what do we got to do to make it enjoyable to come to work? I mean, we talk right. about culture and uh, right. building relationships, with people. So that's. It seems sometimes that um, we do like, different activities, and not everyone's on board or super excited about doing the activities. But we're, a lot of those things we do, whether it's the homecoming stuff or the Renaissance stuff or any of the, like the things outside of school. The purpose behind there is to make this enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are just simple examples. What do we do day to day to make those enjoyable? So that's always the things we get creative. And sometimes you get burned a little bit because if it's new, some people get annoyed by it. They'd rather just be in the classroom. And and honestly, it's just coming from a point like this where we, we want to make this enjoyable and there's not one way of doing it. So we got to kind of have to test it out a little bit. And um, what I've learned here so far Is the value of getting feedback from people um, of what their interests are, what they think it might, what might be successful. So that's one thing to think about as as I keep moving forward. Like, okay, how do we build that culture, but also how do I make that relevant and appreciated by everyone else around me?
1: And I think you know, and I I liked in here how he kind of alluded to it can it can be expressed in different ways. It's not. Just necessarily a rah rah jumping up and down, yeah. screaming and yelling. because that's not me. <laughs> and that's not me either. I think we both. I think we both kind of missed the boat on that. I don't. I don't know that we're growing in that direction, or or necessarily need to either. Um, but I do think, regardless of what your style or your or how you express it, it should be obvious to your team, and your team should be able to pick up on that.
0: So. Yeah. Uh, kind of going off that one, I think he leads into in the book. Um, the quote I, I wrote down no more powerful leadership tool than your own personal examples and to me lead by example um, act, or words can only go so far but if you really look back at what people do the, um, that's more of an indicator of what kind of a leader they are and how, how much success you're going to have down the road actually I kind of thought about this on the way in as you think about the different things that people say really focusing on what their actions are and um, is just a better indicator than the words that they use, and um, it, there's no truer thing than putting your is it uh, put your money where your mouth is kind mm-hmm. of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so sometimes this you talked a little bit about um, being fake, kind yeah. of. is what you I, talked about. Yeah. I think this is a big lender of where that where that kind of happens. You yeah. hear people talk and say. Yeah. Rah rah rah! Let's do this, do this, but then you never see the action behind, it. and that, that that's where things become a little frustrating, whether with parents or whether it's with students or teachers or just other colleagues or even just other friends. I mean, you say one thing and you don't do it. It's, it's very frustrating at times. I
1: think it's always interesting to me too, especially in leadership. Like you hear these leaders talk about some really great things, and I and I always joke about, you know, I I follow a lot of. Obviously, I would say most of my Twitter followers are somewhat related to leadership probably 75 percent of who i follow is a leader in some aspect of the world um or a profession or you know their coaches or and i and i i read a lot of the stuff that's on twitter and i i have to admit like i sit back and wonder are these is this really what these guys do when they're in their buildings because i read i read their quotes and i and i see their pictures and i see their tweets and i'm and i'm You know, again, going back to that comparison trap that you brought up. I mean, I'm I'm thinking, wow, are those guys really on that on fire? Is that what they look like when they're really in their building in the middle of the day in the trenches?
0: No, I know, know. (laughs) and Twitter can be great, but it can also be
1: uh, facade. It's a great it's it is a great example of the comparison trap for me because I read about these guys. And I follow some of these guys on Twitter, and I see the things they're doing in their buildings, and and it's great stuff. And I hear the thing, and I and I read the things that are coming out on their accounts, and I'm and I'm impressed. But then I have to admit, being a little bit of a skeptic sometimes, is that if I was to go to those schools and spend a day in their school, is am I going to get that same impression, or is this kind of going back to leading by example? Is this just kind of their facade? Is this just kind of their how they're how they're talking. You know, is it is it do their do their actions meet their words? And I know that's hard and we probably can't you know, it's probably nearly impossible to prove that, but I, I that I've I've given that quite a bit of thought and typically I I try to spend a little bit of time during the day not usually during the day, but usually when I get home at night just kinda strolling on or trolling on Twitter a little bit and yeah, there's great stuff out there, but but are those guys? Is that really what they do every day, or is that yeah. just kind of what they're saying? Sounds great, and if they are really doing that, I mean, they're. I'm assuming they're very highly effective leaders in their building, and and their school results and the, you know, the things that their students and staff are achieving would reflect that. So.
0: Um, I guess, kind of the last thing that really stood out to me in this first chapter, and again. We talked a little bit before we started here about how long I want this be. So yeah. I really kind of get into the heart of this stuff. So the one thing, and I, I we've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but it's just focusing on the process, not the prize. Mm-hmm. Um, in athletics, if I would talk to my coaches a lot about, if you take care of the little things, winning will take care of itself. Very similar mi- mindset, um, and it kind of goes back a little bit to about focusing on what you can do and don't worry about people, what their their judgment of you or what they're thinking of you. But this so much again, it, it gets overlooked um, because the prize is such a short amount of time. But it seems to be the most rewarding, obviously, if you're getting a victory. It only lasts this much longer. The process can be grueling, and it takes a lot more, lot more time. And I'm not going to get into into the discussion of the this day of age, and we we need. Uh, immediate gratification, but there is, there is a lot of difficulties with putting in that time, especially when you don't get to see the prize very often, or it just takes a lot, you know, it's going to take a lot of time to see that prize. It can be very difficult, but when you focus on just the process, you can more focus on short term goals or short term processes. And so that kind of helps me get through the day a little bit. Uh, just focus on what do I do day to day, hour by hour, well, and I'm—I'll
1: admit I'm one of those guys. When I read a book, I do kind of peel back to the end of the chapter just to kind of see—is there a summary, or is there—is there something kind of at the end that can kind of tie everything together? <laughs> do you judge
0: a book by its cover, is that what? You're no, just I
1: just—I'm just one of those guys that you know I want to—I want to—I maybe I read ahead, maybe I don't, but I—I <laughs> definitely—I uh, always try to look and see. I've—I've I've noticed a lot of these leadership books that I think have practical application. Do tend to have something at the end of each chapter to kind of tie everything together, and so they in this book they use the kind of the title of rules to lead by, and so to kind of tie in with what you're saying that one of the main focuses of this first chapter was the 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 idea that successful leadership begins with a foundation, and sometimes setting that foundation it takes a lot of hard work, <laughs> um, it takes. A lot of time like what you were talking about and it takes a lot of commitment and sometimes you're laying that foundation and and you may have an end result of what that final product what you want to look like or what it should look like but you don't but you don't see it and so then and that's a struggle for me sometimes is I get very caught up in in laying down this solid foundation and then I sometimes lose sight of what what I want that final product to look like.
0: And I would say too when when people people this is with the comparison to other people all they ever see is the prize right they don't get to see the process that the other right. people put in right so that can make it difficult too because all they see is the positivity and and they don't re- know or don't realize God the amount of time that person put into it right no idea it, it that's that's where it gets difficult sometimes so. I think well, those are the major points that I came up with.
1: What, yeah, yeah, no, and I, I think the rules to lead by, you know, we, we've <clears> talked about the foundation. Um, there's no substitute for enthusiasm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we've
1: talked plenty about that. The one thing we, we didn't touch too much on was the, fa- the kind of his three main components that make up the foundation of leadership. And I'm interested to get specifically to get your thoughts on one of them because I think we've had this conversation a few times friendship, loyalty, and cooperation. And which so, one
0: are you looking for me to I'm interested
1: comment. on your thoughts on friendship and so he, he has uh, <coughs> you know he talks about the importance of having camaraderie on a team that was one of my key points um, and also the importance of distinguishing between or actually the connection between having mutual respect and camaraderie not affection um, because sometimes affection can actually weaken you and it causes you maybe to play favorites and And he kind of alluded to that in the book. But I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are on this concept of friendship in the context of leadership.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's poking at me right now is what he's trying to do here a little bit. Um, I don't know. When I first got into education, um, I would say really initially on my focus on when I was at work, I was – I was a teacher coach, and when I was out of the work, out of the school, I was another person, basically. I, was, I don't want to say I was living two lives, because it wasn't like that, but I really had a mindset of, I'm not here to be friends with really anyone. I was just there <laughs> to do my job, and, I, and then maybe you think that's the way I still am, but... No,
1: uh, no, not necessarily. Um, maybe, maybe a little.
0: I don't know. I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but... It, I guess, if you think back to... Oh, what's the book? Or the movie with Brad Pitt. Um, Moneyball. Yeah. There's that comment in there where he doesn't mm-hmm. ride the plane with people. Yeah. Because I mean, he's getting rid of them or yeah. he's got to trade them. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't necessarily... And I'm being honest here, so I get ridiculed later for this. But when I see that scene, I can honestly say, Oh, I kind of understand why he does that. A little bit. And I'm not... God, I'm putting myself out there. Um... So there is some of that there, but as I get more and more into it, and again, you've mentioned I, I have moved around a few districts, so mm-hmm. it's – when I was in the district before the last one, I was there for four years. Yeah, I had really – I had developed some good relationships and camaraderie with people and um, a couple – I was a roommate with two of them, so I mean that, that definitely yeah. built itself. Yeah. It is – it's different being an administrator because mm-hmm. if you think of a teacher – I'm on the I'm, I'm I'm I have other teachers in the building, mm-hmm. and we're all going through the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In administrative role, there's only two of us, mm-hmm. and so when we share what our lives are like day to day, there's only one other person. Mm-hmm. In this district, there are like what five of us, five principals. <laughs> Uh yeah. East, west, I middle. think so. So five yeah. of us. Homeschool school
1: assistants, yeah.
0: So it's five or six. So yeah. but I I they're at different buildings and they're a little off site, uh, so it's not like I see them as much. So it's 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 it, that group is smaller that I can share that we have the same day to day, we can have, um and, and experiences. So maybe that's why it's just it's more difficult because there's just less people to talk to and have shared experiences with. <laughs>
1: Well, and there's two questions that came out of this section that I think you know kind of I know we're getting kind of towards the end of our discussion here, but I think maybe some again, I think this is one of those topics. I mean, I remember going through the principal program at indiana state university and and specifically remember um, people that I was in the program with and instructors you know just talking about you know creating a little bit of separation between you and the rest of your staff and but as I read this friendship section. And I'll be honest with you, like, having taught in a building that I was also then became the assistant principal and the principal, I had established in my seven years of teaching some friendships, lifelong friendships, guys that I'm still very, very close to even today. And then I I was now kind of thrust into the role where I was their supervisor. And I felt like because there was some camaraderie and because there was a mutual respect, um, I could have difficult conversations. You know, one in particular, I I mean, yeah, I, I... had some conversations with frequently, and I would have considered him a friend. But we had some tough talks. We had some tough discussions. But um, the two questions that he asked in here, is it wise for a leader to become friends with those under his supervision? And then his other one was, will friendship hinder correct decision-making when hard choices are called for?
0: I could say it can in that second one. It can hinder things. It can make it difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all human. Right. And if I have a close personal relationship with someone... Especially in the situation you brought up is—I mm-hmm. I was a teacher at a building and then became an administrator. I didn't do that. That's mm-hmm. not the, the route I took. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it can be very. That can be it can be difficult because I mean, as a, if, if a person's your really your friend, there's just that emotional connection you have there, and you don't want to upset them a little bit. So that could be very difficult. Um, and I I would imagine that was kind of difficult when you when you did that.
1: Yeah, and I, well, I think, you know, and in here he talked about um, be a friend and still be professional, and, and I think you can do that. Um, I do think that if you're choosing that path or if that's if that's what you're going to do, if you're going, I, I think there's a difference. I think camaraderie is important, and I think if you um, you have to make sure that through camaraderie you're not playing favorites and you're not allowing your preferences for a certain person, or a friend to cloud your judgment, and well, I and I and I think because of the nature of my 15 years in Crawfordsville, being a teacher, then moving to assistant principal, and then being the principal there for seven years, um, I, I worked through a lot of those things, and I and I I do think that um, there it was difficult to to go back to what you're saying. It was difficult to sit down across from someone who, um, you know, I would consider to be a very very close friend of mine, and have a professional difficult a difficult professional discussion with them and and in some cases maybe address performance or address a particular situation where i then kind of had to turn on the boss role a little bit as well and i think it's tough and and i think that's why it's recommended to a lot of young administrators like keep some separation and but i also think that as i've said numerous times like if you don't connect with your staff and you don't have that camaraderie with their staff, and they don't get to see you um, in different settings and in different, you know, situations. I think it's really difficult for them to know, and it, and it goes back to the loyalty piece as well that he kind of talks about as another key core foundation of the pyramid. I think it's hard to build that trust and loyalty if you if you're not
0: if you don't have that camaraderie. Yeah. I would agree, and like I said, my mindset's adjusted it throughout the years and i see Mm -hmm. i see different aspects of it how it's been beneficial to me and yeah so i don't know do you have any final thoughts on what you read i mean we kind of covered a lot of what was on my yeah
1: to-do list there well i think chapter one set sets up a really good uh preview to to dive a little bit deeper into that pyramid of success i mean you know i think obviously john wooden is known for his success as a basketball coach. I don't have how many championships he won, but I know it's just a ridiculous amount. Yeah. He also had some talent, but the guy's a phenom he was a phenomenal basketball coach Mm -hmm. with a winning track record. But I think um, I think equally he's very well known for his this pyramid of success. And I'm you know, personally I grew up in Indiana. I grew up close to Purdue. He's a Purdue graduate. Um, he went to high school in in Indiana mm-hmm. at Martinsville I think High said, School.
0: He says in the beginning, he almost became an English teacher.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think <sighs> he kind of started off in that same field. And so, and I think he was a teacher. You know, he was definitely that ideal teacher slash coach. But I'm interested in diving deeper into that pyramid of success. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my view is is kind of a bird's eye view from the outside, and I think this chapter. Um, set things up really nicely and laid, laid as he talked about, a really good foundation for
0: the rest of it. So I think the second chapter is the second tier yeah. of the pyramid, yep. so we will take some time to read that chapter. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm a slow reader, so it takes me some time. <laughs> well, you're and a then, math guy, so I mean, wow. yeah. So no we'll fence. break down that chapter uh, next time on The Hawk Report.